Last time on Will Save. As our characters settle in on board the Chimera, we get a closer look at their motivations. The fledgling group seems keen on taking stock and washing off recent events. Hears begins to look toward the horizon of future prospects. Nico exhibits troubling signs of paranoia, while Rick 19 and Dr. OK make themselves feel quite at home. As our adventurers sit down for some food, Dr. OK sees to some particular dietary needs, and all our adventurers meet some new acquaintances. All seems well until a box of space lice falls and a white flash envelops the room. Will the space lice cause a biomedical emergency? Find out this time on Will Save. recently come to my attention from some of the pre-roll chat that we were having here that some of us haven't seen movies that maybe we maybe we all should have seen like socially required films yeah (coughs) that are that are used to vet whether you could be part of the will save podcast crew which is not true there were no audition processes or anything but if there was one, that might be something that we would do. I was in a casual conversation once, and somebody found out that someone else in the group had not seen Little Mermaid. And the response was, you're un-American. And they stopped talking <laughs> to that person. <laughs> what? <laughs> so non-political films that are important for everybody in the world to watch. So let's go one, down the list. Let's start with one, everyone's favorite, The Goonies, right? Yes. Yes. So. Yes, Goonies. Yes. Hey, you guys. Okay. It's, it's kind of like a D&D hey, party. I mean, a it, Starfinder yeah. party. Sorry. Yeah, Starfinder. Thank you, Paizo. Um, and then you have Sydney Lopper with Good Enough. So. Yeah. Let's see. The Princess Bride. Yes. Now, Can we all agree? agree? My no. name is Inigo no. Montoya. You killed my father. I, I personally don't like Princess Bride. Especially since Robin Hood Men in Tights is the same film, but better. That is a great film, by the way. That is Robin a good Hood. film, yeah, but Princess, but Princess Bride, Bride is, is great. I don't Kev. know. I liked I liked Robin Hood more growing up. No, because Robin Hood Men in Tights has all the same qualities of Princess Bride, except for it's actually funny, and it's it's actually well told. The story's better than <laughs> Princess Bride. It's even got the same actor. Uh, yeah, it's and the, the characters. Actor, it? It's so iconic. Okay, all right. So we're mostly agreed on Goonies. A little split on Princess Bride. Uh, I'm just gonna pull one out. Thinking Jurassic Park. Thoughts? Oh, go. Yeah. Yeah, classic, should, yeah, absolute, absolute classic. Nobody okay. does right. not like that film. Wait, wait. One Back thing about that future. though is, yeah, with oh, Jurassic oh. Park versus all the other Jurassic Parks, mm-hmm. is that Jurassic Park one? I sorry, I take a lot of film classes. Uh, Jurassic Park one actually like puts you in the perspective of a human as prey to the dinosaurs. So every angle, yeah is looking up at the dinosaurs or mm. into the eyes of a dinosaur where Jurassic Park, you know, Jurassic World and all the other films, they go from the perspective of the, di- the dinosaurs a lot more often. Like in the famous scene with the margarita guy, if you don't know what that is, just look it up. They follow um, the pterodactyl but- things down into the crowd where it should be from the crowd looking up at the pterodactyl swooping. What so, about mm. the scene where the guy gets eaten on the toilet? Spoiler alert. Yeah, Perfect spoiler alert. scene. Yeah, but no, Jurassic, that, Jurassic 1 is phenomenal. And that's, <laughs> that's from the no, human's perspective. Jurassic 1, mostly. that perspective is down on the human. It's both. Darwinism at its finest. Well, th- th- there is a moment where the dinosaur is looking at him, yeah. Oh, from yeah. that perspective. But but the majority of that film, though, is, is definitely, as you described. 
I'm kind of surprised that Will hasn't pulled up a clip of any of these movies and put them as background yet. <laughs> Since we're all recording remotely, Will is the Zoom wizard who has a yeah. collection of over a hundred video clips to play as his background at any time. This is this and all, now uh, has not. I have a recommendation for the next movies. Though. Okay, Home all right, Alone all right. Series. Home Alone's classics. No, classics, not the series. Classic. Do not say a series. Home Alone. Series. Home Alone's one and two. Home Alone's okay. one and two. The ultimate trilogy is, I think, how a lot of people refer to it. Um, but uh-huh. I think you're only talking about one and two, right? That's Nick? correct. I, okay. I specified one and two. State your case. Well, Home Alone one is clearly a classic, but Home Alone two, like a yeah. kid lost in New what? York who has an entire abandoned building to set booby traps in, is nothing but fantastic. No, I'll give you that. Home Alone two is also very. It's good. You said Back to the Future, Kelly. Yeah, Back to the Future. Back to the Future is yeah. undoubtedly a necessary. Yeah, which but yeah. the uh, ultimate trilogy, guys... trilogy, or just one or two? Oh no, uh, three is three is, three is respectable. Good. Is it? It's been a while. I can't Honestly, like as far as trilogies go, it's one of the ones that, the better. Yeah, it really is. It stays pretty consistently good. But Doc, uh, Doc's garage was is the uh, Pasadena house off of yeah. uh, Orange Grove. Yeah. So if you guys are ever oh. up in that area, uh, Los Angeles yeah. crowd. Or if you're not in Los Angeles and you visit and you want to see some famous places, you could do Some that. actual famous places, not the Walk of Fame because Cause Hollywood is sucks. Yeah, the Hollywood Walk of Fame is cool to walk look at as you ride by in an uber and that's it that's all that you need to do yeah you probably shouldn't stop there yeah no you probably shouldn't all right are there any other contenders that we want to share before we jump into the fabulous world that paizo created called starfinder are there what any other movies about napoleon dynamite no. <sighs> you know i'm often Vito. split on that one right a lot of good it was quotes funny when i was 12 yeah but then kind of does it hold up over time? Debatable, right? Right? That's That That was my reaction to it as well. Actually, the first uh, time I, I watched myself, that. Uh, uh, it came out in 2004, which is the year I graduated high school. So I definitely wasn't 12 at that time. Well, the, uh, the first time I watched uh, Napoleon Dynamite, I had just had like some sort of exposure, which is where they take a chain, go into your gum, and yank a tooth down. And I was up on Novocaine for like the rest of the day. Anyway, Nick, it's funny. You just talked about my second topic for the pregame chatter, <laughs> which was, do you hate the dentist, the optometrist, or I don't know. I can't think of another one that people Doctor, hate, but just, just doctors, the maxillofacial surgeon. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just throw uh, one out. Maxillofacial <laughs> surgeon. That's fine. I'm going to check nose the box. And throat doctor, otolaryngologist. All of the above. I uh, just don't like going to any of them. None. Which, uh, I don't, yeah. I've never been to an optometrist. I don't have, I just, you don't have you eyes. Have perfect so. vision. Yeah. I, do. I barely survived taking my newborn to the peds appointments. Mm. I just feel so awkward inside of any kind of like medical office. Uh, okay. Skin crawl. I'm going to, I'm going to say something controversial. All right. <laughs> Best I've Star been... Wars film. Okay. Oh, uh, oh, Empire. Empire for Empire. sure. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily a cult film. That's like mainstream classic. I thought we were talking cult films that you had to no. watch. Oh, well, no, I, I was well, just the, saying best Star Star Wars film is Empire. Out yeah, of out sure. of Star Wars, I don't know, I know. man. I think Return Return Skywalker <laughs> Rises or whatever. I can't even remember. The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. You think that's the best movie? No, I thought your favorite Kev was The Phantom Menace, which, unpopular opinion, I really like The Phantom Menace. Me too. I think think it's better than two and three. Phantom Menace. But two is not bad. I actually, they've grown on me. I'll be honest. Phantom Menace has a lot of potential, but it's still a little drawn out and and not, and like uh, overrated. It is, but I think it gets the spirit of Star Wars, which is like kind yeah. of like fun. episodes two and like, three are absolute trash. How can you not watch the pod racing scene and be like, "This is Star Wars"? Yeah, <laughs> which I no, didn't know. Yeah, Duel of the Fates. Racing. No, this is pod racing. Uh, yeah, Duel of the, the Fates. Pod racing classic. Actually, yeah, on the pod racing was almost Music frame for frame from um, the famous chariot scene in uh, what's that famous Greek film? 
Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Yes, Ben Hur. It's almost frame for frame, for frame with the Ben Hur chariots. Minus the loud engines replaced by horses. Right? Yeah. And the aliens. Yeah, Ben Hur. And the aliens. Here? And the Sebulba. alien planet. And Sebulba, who is a frequent movie. guest on this podcast. Yeah, like, Ben Hur yeah. should have just stuck with like, the Sebulba. Star Wars theme. There's no reason they, should, they got rid of all that stuff to film Ben Hur. Yeah, it would have been historically accurate, <laughs> yeah. I think, if they left it in. <laughs> yeah. um, here's uh, here's a fun one. Here's a okay. fun one Last that is one. just trash. Last one, and then a we should probably get to plan. A fun cult trash movie that people should see, without a doubt, Sharknado. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> and that makes me think of Velocipaster, which I haven't seen yet, but I, I have do want to see. I've actually wanted to see that one. Wait, me too. Velocipaster? Velocipaster. <laughs> I... Yeah. Consider this great. a pastor who can transform into a Velociraptor. That's it. That's the tagline. That's like, that's the whole movie. But like Velociraptors are only Wait. like two and a half feet tall. Well, he can. Yeah, that's fine. He can try that's to fine. fight that way. That's fine. Wait, does he do God's work as a Velociraptor? Like, what is he? I haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to watch this. Yeah, I mean, wrongs. we could just have a bonus episode where we all just do a reaction <laughs> video of us watching Velocipaster. I'm going to pass on that. Pastor on that. All right. Pastor. <laughs> moving on. All right. <laughs> Let's play. So, woo. We're in episode four. We're having fun. But I just want to say something that I noticed. Maybe it's on me for my mistakes. But we're going to make mistakes, right? We're we're playing Starfinder, we're having fun. But if we make mistakes, call us out, send us an email, a strongly worded letter, whatever you want to do to let us know that we've made them. But I was listening back. I heard a couple, and I, I wanted to get a learning moment real quick from one. The first is that last episode, we did have some sense motives, like a lot of sense motives, right? And there was one against one of our own characters, and I have to say, technically, sense motive checks, I believe, are opposed by bluff checks. So technically, Nick, Nico, you would have rolled a bluff check. But since you were just trying to protect your own interests, whatever they may be, right, then that was just something to think about. So learning moment for all of us. We just rolled it as, let's do sense motive. Nick was told the numbers and then... It was kind of like, how do you think about that? Like, are the numbers high enough to see if there was any other motive that Nico might have, right? Is this like laid out in the book somewhere? Yeah, yeah, it is. is. The Starfinder core core rule book? Core rule book, yeah, yeah. Jinx. You mean the one that we're all holding up from Pyzo? You hold it up to the front of the screen. We're all holding it up to the front of the screen for the audio only. only (laughs) Hold it up to the screen. You can hear me Flip flipping the through the pages. Of the mic, yeah. One other thing while you all are fact-checking me, which is fine, right? There's also a diplomacy check. And I just want to give a really good idea in the way that Paizo does diplomacy checks, which is just to say that all of the NPCs, and maybe PCs too, the relationship is on this like gradual scale from hostile to helpful, right? About five or six gradients. So when you succeed at a diplomacy check you move a step up or when you fail you move a step down right so i think there was a diplomacy check from nico so the way that works is that you were changing right in that conversation with the captain you were changing it from friendly to maybe helpful right so it's just a Mm -hmm. cool way to think about something one other thing that i think i've said before just want to say again everything is connected So as GM, any decision you make, the world will respond accordingly. Although who knows how many episodes will occur before that response happens. But that's just something that I try and do as a GM. I think it makes the story better. I think it makes us have a lot more fun. So with that said, I'm going to start something. Unless there was a comment that any of you guys had. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to cut in first. Thank you, Hero Lab. Thank you to Hero Lab, Sirenscape, and Roll20 for helping to provide the technological know-how to play remotely and record remotely. But I wanted to say that we would use Roll20 in person as well because Will has built an awesome table for us. When we an awesome table. Use that again. Oh, yeah. And it's we awesome would still table. use Sirenscape and probably and, Hero Lab. 
And I am just fact-checking our DM because I don't tr- our GM because I don't trust him. Um, That's but yeah, fine. there definitely is a table of. Your, there's one for um, attitude, and there's one for information sought, and another table for disguises and circumstances. Like, wow, yeah, Starfinder's actually got this all laid out pretty pretty nicely for us. Yeah, if you check out the skills section of the handbook, it is chock full. Good information. Now we're going to go back out into the field. Nick, how is it going with your Hero Lab? Play the Jeopardy music. (laughs) All right. Uh, You know what? I have one better. That's fine. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Things are getting saucy now. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole music that we're working with here, so you know we're a top-tier podcast when we can do that. Do you guys do you guys know about Muzak? Yeah, smooth jazz? No, Muzak. Oh, enlighten us. Muzak is like the elevator synthesizer music versions of, like, famous songs. So, like, if you... Smooth operator. Right, but you could, like... You could listen to like "Smells Like Teen Spirit" in music with like a peaceful piano and music. Oh, hot yeah. take! That's a terrible song. All right, let's talk about something real quick that I've been meaning to ask. I think it's good if we ask questions about your characters. Ooh. You guys got to answer spur the moment. We did this in our other game. I think it's fun to do. Provide a little insight into new situations that might or might not show themselves in the game. Here's the question GM I'm going to pose. It's fun to do because a GM never has to answer. I That's never fun. have to answer. It's great. But if you all hate it, tell me right Just now. Kidding. No, Three, no, two, we one. Hate it, but we should. Uh, do thank it. you. All right, great. I hate it, but we should do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Same. Well, you know, when you GM a game, feel free to ask me, and I'll be the first to answer every time. When did your character last feel vulnerable? Vulnerable. Hmm. Well, while I'm pulling mine up, I guess I could go real quick. The last time Nico Orion really felt vulnerable was when he was in the uh, was when he was in his boardroom being uh, voted out of his own company by his mother and family. It's a pretty vulnerable and betraying moment right there, and he didn't. Yeah. He's still trying to deal with that. It's pretty fresh. I mean, that's a pretty... If you think about it, if you're part of the family business at that level and you're being voted out, that's a level of treachery and backstabbing that... uh, Anyone else? I would have to say that Rick has like a constant level of vulnerability because he's a freshly freed android in a world that doesn't appreciate androids at all. So he's always constantly like overlooking that his fear of just being thrown back into slavery. Hmm. Yeah, Hears has never really had a constant home, really. And he's kind of been at the mercy of other people his entire life. So he has like repeated moments. The last time was when he was kicked out of the, the free captains for sure. Yet another like piece of identity that he had was taken away from him so I think that was the last time for sure for him oh man put that in the notes here's as a part of the free captains he was kicked out I thought. kicked out he was kicked out yeah he was kicked out well spoiler what do you do no, yeah we'll, we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> um tell me your whole backstory right now <laughs> I'd say Dr. Okay um is like constantly feeling a little bit vulnerable like the last time was literally the last episode when he was going <laughs> to the chef's kitchen to make sure there was no salt on his food mm. oh yeah or like when I think it came really at, at to a point when um, when we were boarding and we were being asked like oh you know what are you what were you doing was that on our first episode I think the person was like, oh, we don't see Osharu's travel alone very much. Mm, Special Agent LaRue, yeah. Yeah. Whatever that NPC is called. But yes, Agent LaRue came 
But the, that's when Doctor Okay last felt vulnerable. Really vulnerable, and just now, you know, asking for no salt. Obviously, he's vulnerable. Yeah. But more Every, so, Agent Larue. Every time he eats, he has to be. Every yeah. time, you know, careful. So. Yeah. That'd be very vulnerable. Well, that's a good segue, I think, into what happened last time. You guys went to the dining hall to partake in some of the the food and drink that the captain and the crew have set out as these apologies for what has happened when you were boarding. You are getting ready to feast on some delectable food and drink, and you're in there with Professor Brodent Bendrum, who was also there in the encounter out in the docking bay, and Keeve Cadenz, and they're talking about a small box. Professor's talking about how it's a it's a box that is similar to a null space chamber, and there are these four asteroid lights inside. And Keeve doesn't maybe agree. And just as Dr. OK walks in, the box falls, slips to the ground, and there's a crack, and there's a super bright flash of light. And that's where we stopped. And that's where we're going to pick up with a reflex save from all of you. Oh! What? Reflex save? Yeah. Reflex. What is this? I don't think those things still existed. I didn't think those things still existed. (laughs) Except, I must say, I think Dr. OK, you don't need to make one. Oh, okay, good, because I just rolled a natural one. So Great. Perfect. Great. (laughs) Now, let's go around. Let's see what everyone got. Kelly, I can't see your screen. What did you get on your reflex save? It is... Not an athletics or acrobatics check where I don't see it. Apologies. That's okay. On your hero lab, it's going to be right under four. Under what? On your hero lab, it's going to be right under four. Oh, it's ref. (laughs) Ref. Hmm. Well, can I just start then? I got Uh, uh, 22. 22 reflexing. Wow. Killing it. I got. Here's got. A 17, which is pretty good. Woo, 17. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. 16 plus four, that's 20 for me. 16 plus, wow, that's good. All right. As that bright light kind of comes down for a second, you're able to keep your senses. There was a crack. There was this bright flash. Dr. Okay, you had just stepped in, so you weren't really, you didn't quite catch the brunt of it. But as it happens, I'm going over to roll 20 now. As it happens, your eyes begin to clear and your senses, the ringing in your ears kind of fades away. And when that happens, you look around. Keeve and Professor Benjamin seem to be rubbing whatever happened out of their eyes. They're kind of looking dazed. And surrounding you are four of these vermin you look on roll 20 four of these giant vermin i'm going to bring them up on the screen here if you can see that look like giant lice and they seem to be uh moving around the cabin and they seem to be aggressive and you all need to roll four inch wait what happened with the reflex save did somebody did anybody fail it i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna get there Alright. Uh, I got a 15. Okay, so let's go through and see. So we got here's you got a 15? Yes. Okay. Doctor okay. Sixteen. Rick, sixteen. Doctor okay. Doctor okay. Got an eighteen. Got an eighteen. Wow. Last session you guys were not rolling that high. This session you guys are just cool. What about our old friend Nico Rico? 16 plus 2 for an 18 on the initiative. Oh, wait, wait. Who else got 18? That was Dr. OK. Dr. OK, what's your initiative modifier? Dr. OK. Sorry, oh, plus 1. Oh, so, OK. All right. We have seven, 17 on the die, plus 1, 18. Right. So that means that Dr. OK will be going after Nico. OK. All right. So this box drops. You hear... 
Professor Benjamin and Keeve seem to be rubbing their eyes. Whatever flash happened seemed to have uh, given them the dazzled condition as they failed their reflex saves. And you all who succeeded don't have the dazzle condition because you succeeded at your reflex save as this box, this magical, weird technological box cracks, breaks open, a bright light spills out. And these four creatures are skittering around and they look angry at being taken out of their box. Up that's why they're for, mad. It's, that's they're why mad they're mad. They're being in the box in the first place. They're mad that they got no. let out. No, 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 no. No, they have these really intense uh, backstory that if you want to try and talk to them about it, they will tell you more about why they're upset about being in the box. So, it roll is. Roll diplomacy check. Roll. All of you make diplomacy checks. Uh, charm them. You could charm them, find out their names, see if there's anything that they want to eat. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they were just on their way to a birthday party and then they got put in this box. Who knows, right? Woe to Dr. OK is their primary source of food are slugs. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Forgot to tell you that part, Will. That you're that technically slugs are the main prey for this creature. Seriously? Maybe if you do a life science check. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, so it what? is the top of the round. <laughs> Will's so confused. It is the top of the round. We are in. You all can see roll twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Cool. Awesome. So we are in combat with these creatures. It is. If you all look, I'm pinging the one. Uh, Professor Benjamin and Keeve are at a table in the middle. Here's and Nico are right next to the table. Rick was walking up to look at what was at the uh, kind of the counter at the north end of the room. And Dr. OK had just entered from the east end. One of the bugs is right in between Professor Benjamin and Hears. And we're going to see which of them this bug is going to attack. I'm going to say one to three here's four to six Professor Benjam. Let's find out. I got a one. Don't know if you can see that on here. Probably not. So that's going to be here's. So this bug. Splendid. splendid. Fantastic. This bug kind of scuttles up. It's probably like three feet in diameter has this bulbous chitin body at the end. Kind of like an ant and it's it's three front legs scuttle up towards you at an alarming speed and as it does it seems to pull its head back and it's like pincers open up and the pincers come and grab and try and attack your leg what is your k-a-c k-a-c kinetic uh, armor class is, is modified with an eight to be 18 18. Okay, wow. So you see it come up and just go for your leg. And so you're thinking, man, it almost catches your leg. In fact, it kind of grabs onto the material and leaves a little rip in the leg, but it doesn't quite get you. And you can tell from the way that it was moving, it seems like it seems like it wants to be on you. No thanks. It is the next creature's turn. That creature is the one right next to Rick and it turns and skitters over to you also moving with its pincers and its front legs and that is a 21 against your KAC does that hit Ooh, I think it does I have a 23 oh your KAC is 23 I have Wait, a, a base wow. KAC of 15 with a plus 8 from bonus combat Yeah, wait, let's just double check this. That is outrageous. I have a reinforced EVA suit. That's a plus four. Uh, and then I have a, my dexterity is a plus four, and my max dex is a plus one from reinforced EVAs. So Your KAC is 15. I'm looking oh, at your thing right now. What's, what's the plus? It says KAC plus eight. Yeah, plus I eight. have that same thing. Plus eight is what happens whenever a combat maneuver is made against you. The combat maneuver has to beat your KAC plus eight because combat maneuvers are tougher to pull off. So technically, that's what would happen. Combat maneuver, page 246 in my big book. Uh, you make a melee attack roll against the opponent's KAC plus eight. Boogers. So that's why that 23 is there. So if this was a combat maneuver, I would say 
give me your KAC plus eight. So your KAC is 15. Fine, you hit me, okay? Yeah, I Gosh. do. Ah. Oh, it feels so good starting off the session with a hit. Oh. This is good. So what's interesting <laughs> is this. As the pincers and as the legs move up and grab onto your leg, you don't feel like there was any damage done, but maybe you, you kind of like start to move back reflexively, right? You, you piss or sorry, you twist and pivot. And as you do, <laughs> it feels like you don't piss. Uh, piss all over it. You piss all over it's it. Like a, it's it like dies instantly. Uh, yeah. It, it's a muscle realize, relaxant. Yeah. <laughs> you realize that it is attached to you. Mm, I don't like this. Mm. Nico, it is your turn. What are you doing? Nico, Nico's going to draw one blaster, but he's going to do a perception check. He wants to get an idea of what's going on right now. Okay. Give me your perception check. I see all of you fastidiously, meticulously reading something. I'm thinking it's the book. Cool rule books. Cool rule book. That's a 14. 14 on your perception check. What are you trying to perceive? I'm trying to get a sense of whether or not uh, these creatures uh, have a color pattern on their bodies that suggests they might be poisonous. Okay, I would say you want to do a life science check. Let me check to see whether you can do life science untrained. Wait, can we pause untrained. for a second? Did right? I not take any damage from this thing? You didn't from? take any damage. Weird. I can uh, do a life science check. On your turn, yeah? Okay, yeah, on my turn. <laughs> yeah, so Nick, I think you would be looking more for the life science, right? And you, life science, cannot do it untrained. Okay. Yeah, I do not have a skill for that, so I would have to do something else. All right, then I'm going to do a sense motive on the uh, on the bugs to see what their objective is. Uh, okay. Bite us, apparently. But it also will help me if I want to pull off a shot against them too. Uh, okay. So okay. So as we talked about before, I believe that would be uh, opposed by their uh, by their bluff check. Yeah. So that's a 17 plus four. That's a 21 on my sense motive. 21 on your sense motive. I mean. I'm just gonna tell you, I don't even need to roll a bluff check. Their intelligence is so low that you just seem like they are upset animals that are lashing out in a moment in which they were suddenly taken from the environment that they're in to a brand new environment and they're freaking out. That's what Stupid it seems bugs. like. So what do you wanna do with your turn? What do you think? I'm gonna thinking? go ahead, I'm gonna pull one blaster and I'm gonna fire. Um, okay. But I'm going to, um, first I'm gonna do, uh, off my sense motive, I believe I have. So pulling your weapon is a move action, right? So you pull that out. Well, isn't that you don't a, shoot? Isn't that like I know we don't get free actions, but isn't that like as one is a free action, two you is a whole turn? No, I think you're thinking of another system, another game system where that is part of it. But drawing a weapon is a move. Can action. Can I draw both weapons without it burning my whole turn then? No, I think if you're going to pull both, then you would be using your standard action as a move action. So then you would be doing two move actions to pull both weapons out. But you can pull one out as your move action and still take a shot. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to use my. Um, I'm going to go ahead and use clever fate. So nice. As, an, cool. um, as standard action, uh, you can fake out an enemy within 60 feet, making that enemy open to your attacks. Uh, attempt a bluff check with the same DC as a check to feign against that enemy. Okay. So tell me more about that. So it's a it's a bluff check that I make? Uh, I think I attempt a bluff, a bluff check with the same DC as a check to feign against that enemy. So Totally agree. Yep. yep. All right. So what is that DC going to be? With the same DC as a check to feign against that enemy? I believe I believe that. Okay, so I will tell you that the DC for this roll will be DC 16. Okay. So, all right. 17 plus 6. So I Nice. Wow. So what do you do? So he's going to pull he's going to pull his weapon and he's going to try and shoot this bug. He's going to try to shoot this bug. However, Dr. What's his, uh, his, his compatriot sitting next to him is kind of rubbing his eyes. Dr. What's his, his compatriot. Yeah. And so 
Nico's going to try and shoot that way, but realizes he doesn't have it. And so he's going to do like a kind of a dexterous action where he just kind of flips his wrist over, props it over with his other hand, and he's going to okay. fire. So was that clever feint a... Was that a standard action? What does it take to yeah, do that? Uh, as a standard action. Cool. Nice. So that means that that particular bug, right, that particular vermin yeah. is is flat-footed because yep. you succeeded against your attack and your allies' mm. attacks. Yep. So flat-footed is page 276 for anyone following along at home. Oh, man, that's super great. Yeah, that says you take a minus two penalty to your AC and cannot take reactions while flat Footed. Nicely done. So, um, Nico's going to go ahead and he's going to take a shot at this point. I don't think you can. You use your standard action. No, so you use your standard action. You use your move action to pull out your weapon. You use a standard action to do your clever feint. Okay. So, an attack would have been your standard action, but you use that instead for the clever feint, which is awesome. Okay. Right? Nice. Good move. Moving on to Dr. OK. Mm, yes. What are you doing on your turn? <laughs> mm, I'm going to roll a life science check. Okay. Give me that sweet life science roll. I rolled a 19 on the die, which gives a me 19. 28 on my life science. That is outrageous. Uh, so what we're going to do is... I just had it up, the DC. So do you want to explain how life science works while I pull out the to see what the DC was? I mean, life science is literally just your knowledge of, you know, your education of scientific um, and living things from small organisms to large biological systems as per what the core rulebook says. <laughs> that is very, very well true. Explained. <laughs> well explained. Uh, so I, DC, I identify creature is what I'm trying to roll. So exactly yeah. identify creature. The DC for this was such that with a 28, you exceeded it by at least 15. So for every five over, you get to add something else that you want to know about them. So I'm going to tell you some things about them, right? Um, in terms of immunities, they. One, these are space vermin. They are asteroid lice. That's the creature that they are. They have immunities to acid. They, you know that when they perish, when they're killed, that their remains are caustic and stay so for maybe like 30 seconds or so. And so if you touch their remains, you're going to take damage, right? And then you also know that they have an ability, you've heard, that they can attach to a creature and then bite from where they're attached. And when they're attached, it's a bit harder to hit them because you're trying not to hit yourself. You're trying not to hurt yourself at the same time. So it's a bit tougher to hit them. What um, do we know? Can I like tell by their size, like what they're... They're small. Their AC might be though. Like I get, I get two things that I can ask, right? Or like... Uh, well, so I so I, I gave you what they were, so you could identify them, and then three things about them since you exceeded the okay. DC. So they're immune right? to acid, and what else? Uh, they're immune to acid. They have an ability to, as you saw with Rick, to attach and latch on to a creature, right, or, or okay. a person, and yeah. then attack. And that it's and and I'll tell you that as part of that, they latch on pretty strongly. It's not that easy to get them off. Then on top of that, when they are killed. Their remains are caustic. Yeah, and so if you touch their remains, or maybe if, you're, if they're still attached, you might take some damage. So that was a great move for life okay. science. Uh, I believe that life science, I'm trying to see what uh, what that would be in terms of a move action. What do you want to do next? I don't, I don't think that's a move action. I don't think so. I think it's So what like, do you want to do next? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's so great. Um, that's I'm, so great. I'm going to move here, and I'm going. Do you, do you tell your party what you know? Uh, hey guys, these are these are asteroid lice. Um, they are pretty nasty bugs, <laughs> and uh, you should not uh, touch them after they're dead. 
but um, <laughs> also acid damage won't work on them, but I'm going to come up with a formula to possibly change that. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to just hang out over here, guys. So, All right, so you just hang out over there? No, what, okay. I, what I'm going to do... What Dr. OK is going to do, he's going to be like, uh, I don't want to be near these things. So what I'm going to do is a swift action. I'm going to put some slime down right around here so to make it a little difficult terrain for these creatures. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about the slime. Slime is one of my racial feats, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it allows me as a swift action to create to excrete slime into an empty adjacent square, <laughs> causing that square to become oh difficult terrain. Um, and I can do it one d four times per day. So where do you excrete it? Um, just between like these tables, so that right in front of you. Yeah, in the square in front of you. Yeah. Okay. And can and I like square? Can I continue my move action and like take a step back? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, I've done my part. Yeah. I've so, done. wait, hold on. Why do I have a feeling that this is pretty much the reason why you chose this race? Yeah, it was just it's you can like, excrete. It's part of it. All right, all right. Can I draw my um, cost eject liquidator weapon? Um, uh, that would be a move action. I think I actually, in, well, I didn't have it out, so I, that's you fine. didn't have it out, right? Yeah. Wait, what? What's your base attack bonus? Is it plus one? Yeah. 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 Okay. So then you can move and pull out a weapon. So that's fine. So you take a step back. You secrete some ooze, some slime out. Not going to ask where that happens. And then you move back and pull out your caustic injector. Yes. It's pretty sweet. May I fire it? Or (laughs) would you like me to shoot this weapon? Well, here's the thing. I think the slime. What does it say that the slime is? The slime is swift action. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, then you can totally fire it. Yeah. Who are you firing it at? I'm going to fire at... Um, Hears. The one... No, please don't fire here. No, well, there's... See, I can, I can do lots of things with my weapons. Let's see, what, what would... I think the best thing would be to maybe administer an inhibitor to, to these creatures... Ooh. What does the inhibitor do? Um, I'm going to... I think what I can do is actually remove their uh, acid resistance. Oh, and then I can just hit <gasps> them. Wow. I can hit them with the, uh, the cost jet and then do acid damage. So the, in the <laughs> character operations manual for Biohacker, it says you can reduce Thank you, the target's resistance to one type of energy of your choice by five. Does that mean that's not acid resistance? I think that's something else. That uh, yeah, if they have a resistance to it, then you would reduce that, but they have an immunity Yeah, to they it. have an immunity. So, I think I actually need to... My beer is replenished. Oh, beautiful. I love those words. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot the one closest to me with a basic pharmacological inhibitor which okay. it says you introduce a mild hallucinogen into a living creature's body, making it difficult for oh, the man. target to move or act. The target gains the encumbered condition and must succeed at a fort save or also gain the entangled condition. Wow. It's a lot. So okay. I got to roll the hit. So you're sh- Okay. And I got 15. 15. Yeah. Against KAC or EAC? Uh, that would be KAC. Yeah, you hit. So you fire this needle, syringe almost. Yes, at this guy here. Okay. And then what do you, and then what happens? Then I make a fort save? I believe so. You're entangled. I'm encumbered. You're encumbered. And then you have to succeed at a fort save to not gain the entangled condition. Okay. So I am encumbered. Need to succeed at a fort save. That is going to be a fort save of 20. Did I succeed? Dang. Um, I'm probably. Probably. I don't know what you roll against. Uh, it's whatever DC is set up for that. Uh, there's probably a standard DC for your inhibitors. 
DC 13, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Nice move. Good strategy. That was great. That was, that was yeah. That was the stuff Starfinder's made of. Mm, yes. Mm, yes. Okay. Uh, I could just duck out this door now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you just leave. You're just like, Peace. I'm out. All right. So you all are in the middle of this frantic action. This is all happening within, again, the first six seconds. Round one. You see Keeve seems to be rubbing their eyes, like trying to just get whatever is in there, trying to remove whatever dazzled condition, if we're talking mechanically. And so as a result, they take a step back and start to move away, stand up from the chair and start to move away, seemingly disoriented, not able to really know exactly what's going on. It is Rick's turn. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, So Rick, uh, being the the trained bounty hunter that he is, he's going to flick back his trench coat. And you see the gun on his hip, but he actually reaches behind his back and the strap over his shoulder, he's going to pull out his azimuth or sorry, yeah, azimuth artillery laser. So this is a rifle. Um, (laughs) Just pulls out a giant rifle that was on your back. giant rifle, but it's pretty large. Yeah. Okay. Hidden hidden under his trench coat and he pulls that out. Okay. But he looks down at this thing clenched to his leg and he's actually Uh going to roll a survival check on it. Oh. Because a survival check to do what? you handle an animal. As a move action, you can use survival to improve the attitude of an animal with an intelligence of a score one or two. This function, just like a diplomacy check, uh, to change a person's initial attitude. But it is not a language dependent. A typical domestic animal has a starting attitude of indifferent, while wild animals are usually unfriendly. Hmm. So, okay. I believe it says it is a DC of... Uh, 15 plus one and one half times the CR of the creature. Okay. So give me a roll. All right. My roll. I got a 13 plus five is 18. 18. Okay. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. So these creatures don't have an intelligence score. So... As a result, I'm trying to see whether you would use whether the the survival skill would work against a creature that doesn't have an intelligence score. Well, you should have said right? that before it, I rolled it. It said they have to have an intelligence score of one or zero, or one oh, or two, right? It. I think <laughs> so. Survival. Oh, there's also rear a wild animal that's trained only. But I'm I'm trained in survival, I believe. So you could do that. Uh, you can use survival to raise a wild animal from infancy. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> this is my pet asteroid, lass. Uh, rearing wild animal could typically it. takes months. If you want to try and raise it. Yeah. Yeah, raise it. I think Nico's character would want to do that. I think, I think we definitely need a paladin <laughs> in our crew. No. We definitely need a paladin <laughs> who will try and tame ah, these ah, asteroid lice. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and that is our only inside joke for the whole episode. That's fine. <laughs> Not true. I made a reference to uh, the first goblin character that we captured in our D and D game. What? What's D and D? I missed that reference. Yeah, Eek. I don't know what D and D is. Eek. Uh, Kev, you were saying? Uh, so it's it does say an intelligence score of one or two. So unfortunately, it has a dash intelligence score. So it will not work. <laughs> it seems like it doesn't. It doesn't you know, do anything. Well, it just keeps trying to grab onto your leg and hold on for dear life. Then Rick's going to just shoot it in the head. <laughs> Help! Yeah. 19 to hit. <laughs> you don't even say what you're doing. You're like, all right, I'm going to friggin' destroy him. Rick, Rick you just, just hear the in the head. You just hear the cast of the dice, and you're just like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, all right, I'm just going to... Screw him over. It's fine. 19 to hit. Uh, yeah, that is a hit. That's a definitely right. a hit. Now How much damage? D10. Hold on. Which one's my D10? That's this guy? No, that's a 12. Which one's my D10? 
that's a d10, and I rolled a three. Seriously? Three so points three? of damage. Oh, right. The first. Woo, we get some damage on these bad boys. All right. But it's still attached to you. So it blows off a little chunk of the chitinous body, the exoskeleton from this creature. Uh, it is. Here's his turn. Here's what are you doing? You have something coming for you. It missed. You have Dr. OK secreting some slime off to your right. You have Nico uh, uh, fainting him, doing some cool stuff, and Rick trying to talk to him and tell him it's all going to be okay. So what, do you, so what are you doing here? Well, being as the bug sort of like grazed Hears, being that Hears is kind of a bug, or is a bug, feels a little bit violated. So just kind of like sort of gets down on a knee and like out of his like hands like come these missiles. And he's like, not interested. And then just fires <laughs> both of them at the one directly in front of him. <laughs> that is amazing. Which is I think two missiles. So that will be D4 plus one, which is let me do this roll twenty. Alright, roll twenty. Dude, 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 dude. Six damage. Six to face. damage to the face. Specifically, yes. You see it marred by this, like, uh, this this streaks across the face, and it seems to shriek in front of you in pain. Yes. Good round. Good, good, good move. But it's unfortunate. It is the asteroid lice louse's turn right in front of Nico. But who will it attack? It might attack Keeve, but I think because Nico fired a shot, even though it was just a clever feint, it's going to attack Nico. Let's see what happens. That is an eight. So does not. Does not no, do that does not hit. It seems like it was completely taken by your maneuver and uh, is just a little off kilter. Doesn't quite make it. It is now the asteroid louse's turn that was near Dr. OK, and it is curious. One, about Dr. OK, and two, about whatever has happened on the floor here. So it starts to move. What happens as it steps into the slime, Dr. OK? I would assume that the slimy secretion has sort of an effect of, like, you know, highly oiled, lubricated, like you're, you know, trying to walk on ball bearings. Okay. Just a casual example. Uh, so, so does it need to make a check? Because I, or is it just difficult to walk? It just takes away from the speed, right? Causing the square, it becomes difficult terrain. Okay, so it moved five feet. So moving through that square, that square will cost it ten feet now instead of five feet. So it seems to take, it seems to skitter a little bit, slide forward, and but it is still going to attack you. And it got a twenty. Well, that hits. Woo! So <laughs> it slides forward, grabs onto like the part of your body that is just near contact with the floor, and it's almost like inverted upside down as it's as you feel its little pincers like grab into you and start it to worm their way in to it really hold have on. To make a save because of the encumbered condition that it has. That is a good point. Let me go check the old hero lab. No, no. So it doesn't have to make any save in which to hold on to you. But its speed was reduced by 10 feet. So right when it got to you right there, it was seeming like it was at the end of its movement because it moved so slowly through there. But it was still able to attack you and attach to you. Boo. But good call. Good check. Thank you for the boo. That that means that I'm doing it right. Um, <laughs> I should have moved back so, further. You should have just left the room when you had the chance. I mean, that's that's really what should have happened here. Uh, it is Professor Benjamin's turn. You didn't say how he, many points of damage. There were no points of damage. Oh. You got zero points of damage right now. So Professor Benjamin also takes a step up, takes a step back, but makes the mistake of starting to move out of the threatened area from the asteroid lice in front of here's. So, it gets an attack of opportunity from the asteroid lice in front of Hears. Because that's not connected to you, right, Hears? I don't think that that one is attached to you. It is not. It is not. Oh, man, that's not good. 
it turns around as soon as Professor Benjamin starts to move. It turns around and is able to grab onto his foot. And now Professor Benjamin has an asteroid louse connected to him. It's the top of round two. We are at the asteroid lice that is, it's actually this asteroid lice's turn, and it is going to make an attack on Dr. Benjamin. Yeah, that's a, that's a hit. It rolled a 25 to hit Dr. Benjamin. Dang. See what Dr. Benjamin's made of. And Dr. Benjamin takes two points of damage, screams out in pain as this asteroid lice takes a chunk out of his leg. It is now the asteroid lice in front of Rick, who is attached to Rick, is also going to make an attack on Rick's leg. That is a 19. How are you rolling so high? I don't understand this. I rolled an 11. That's a KAC. Yes, against KAC. Uh, fif- 15. So that, that is a hit. Okay. So you feel its pincers come in and you take three points of piercing damage from the pincers cutting into your leg. All right. And that's just from stamina, correct? Yes. Starting with stamina, then hit points, then resolve points. I really hope we don't get down to resolve points in this second encounter. All right. Let's pick it up. Let's keep going. It is Nico's turn. What are you doing? So Nico's going to pull out the second, his second blaster, and he's just going to look at it like it's disgusting. And he's okay. going to be, get away from me. And he's just going to take both of them, and he's going to fire. He's going to fire both? Yeah, and just so you know, he Nico does have a feat where he has multi-weapon fighting. Right, so, so I think that feats. So typically, when you fire both a full a full round attack, it's a minus yep. four to both. I think yep. it reduces that by one, so yep. you're a minus three to both. Right? Yep. That's cool. Correct. So so give me two attack rolls against some uh, some EAC or KAC. It's going to be EAC against EAC negative three each. Let's do this. Give it to I'm me. Actually excited. First time I've done a multi attack here. Yeah, yeah. This is what it's all about right here. Isn't that like a minus four to everything? It's minus four to both, but minus three because he has a multi-weapon feat. 13 on uh, one, for 13 on the first roll? Uh-huh. Is that 13 with the minus three or 13 without the minus three? Natural 20 on the second. Get out. Ooh. Get out. Ooh. Boom down. Critical. Boom. Critical There roll. we go. There we go. Natural 20. All right. So, wait, so the I've first got one you rolled a 13? A 13 the one with the minus yeah. three? Yeah, 13 with the minus 3. The second one was a natural 20. Okay, so let's do this. With the minus 3, you roll the 13. That's a hit. Give me the damage for the first hit. Boom! All right, so that's um, for that. Wow, you got to go back and forth here. Um, Yeah, but you'll learn the character. You'll get it. 1d4 here. 1d4. Give it to me. That's a 4. That's a 4. Wow. All right. So, since we have our critical hit, last time we had a critical hit, uh, I just did the uh, did the thing, which was to double it, right? And mm-hmm. each time you add the modifier, I made that mistake last time, and I should have rolled the dice twice and then added the modifier both times. So, my question to you all that to say is, do you want to use the Paizo official critical hit deck for Starfinder, Nick? Let's draw a card. Let's draw a card, he says. All right, let's see. I'm going to pull it out. This freshly used bad boy that we actually have not used in a while. So I'm going to do a quick shuffle Then I'm going to hold up the cards. You tell me when to stop. Ready? Three, two, one, boom. Go. Okay. Top of the deck here. Uh, you're shooting. Ruined my shirt. Attempt a diplomacy or intimidate check against the target as if you had the antagonized feet. That's crazy. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means either. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means either. Uh, I'm going to say this. You can draw again or you can just do times two. Well, it doesn't really have a shirt. Let's just draw again. <laughs> let's, let's draw it again. Let's okay, it again. ready? Here we go. go. Three, two, go, one. Go, 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 go. Stop. Okay. 
<laughs> it is bonus effect. You can apply the effects of covering fire or harrying fire to the target. That's pretty cool. Okay, what? In addition to the damage, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty great. So, do you want to read what covering fire or harrying fire does? Uh, yes, please. So, covering fire is the selected ally that you choose gets a plus two circumstance bonus AC against the next next attack from the creature. Harrying fire is the next ally to attack the foe gets a plus two circumstance bonus to their attack roll. So either the next person to be hit gets plus two AC or the next person to attack that creature gets plus two to their attack roll. Which can, do you prefer, Nick? Uh, can I do covering fire? And can I sure. direct, can I direct uh, who can get the covering fire? Yes. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give her go. Uh, I'm gonna give our friend here. Um, um, so keep in mind that this. Oh, okay. This is the one right in front of you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna give uh, R- Rick. Is it Kev? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Rick already has one attached to him. Just so you know, you can see that. Yeah, but can't my covering fire kind of help him out on the KAC on that? No, because Not you're old, so one. it's oh, right. Okay, no. So right. you're shooting the one right here. So yep. it would have to be against an attack from that creature. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, kills. Uh, I'll give uh, Keith. Her Keith. Yeah, Keith. I'll give Keith. Keith. Okay. Yeah. So Keith gets the benefits of that. Now you roll uh, a d4 twice, and add whatever bonuses you have twice. That's a four on the first one. Nice. And a two on the second. Four on the first one. Two on the second. And with that, this creature just explodes into goo all around it. And as it does, you can see the remains start to like... Don't touch the remains. (laughs) (laughs) As you kill the creature. And that is our game. Perfect. Woo! Yay! Nice way to end. Thanks for listening. You can look for new episodes of Will Save every Wednesday on Will Save Wednesdays. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon, TuneIn, and other places where podcasts are hosted. You can follow us on social media at our Twitter handle at Will Save Podcast, on Instagram at Will Save the Podcast, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Will Save the Podcast. And at our website at willsavethepodcast.com. Special thanks to Sirenscape for our sound and music. To Roll20 for our online interactive platform. To Paizo, Hero Lab, and Lone Wolf Development.